Good afternoon. Rich Ness of the Embedded Insiders here for this week's discussion with Brandon Lewis. Hello, Brandon. Hey, how are you doing, Rich? Doing good. You see how I just jumped into that like I assume everybody knows who the Embedded Insiders are? Yes, they should after one week. One week no, out. well, that's, yeah, you're right. All right. I'll, I'll give the context. Uh, we do a weekly podcast on what we think is interesting in the embedded space. We used to be called the Embedded Experts, and now we're the Embedded Insiders because we go inside to give you the inside scoop. How's that? Uh, we, we represent embedded computing design, um, and that's about it. So I have spent uh, all week and last week getting ready for Embedded World, which is next week in Nuremberg. And if it wasn't such a great show, I'd be fed up. But I know it is a great show, so I'm willing to put up with it. But there's just so much going on. Are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, I just want to take a second to apologize to everybody who's been asking me for things that I haven't been able to get to because Embedded World has been <laughs> consuming all my time. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Um, you know, so the, the one theme I think I'm seeing with respect to Embedded World, oddly, is that there's not really a theme. Um, I'm seeing that there's just stuff across the board. Um, you know, there's, there's the usual industrial and IoT and security, but it doesn't seem like anybody's zeroing in on one particular topic. seems like we're, we're going to see lots of different stuff, and I guess that's because the, the show is so massive. Are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, I think one of the – that may be an indicator of uh, – I know we've probably talked about it before, but IoT actually being – here, you know, it's IoT is everywhere around us kind of thing now. So everything is already plugging into it. Everybody's already acknowledged that it's the real deal. Um, and in the industrial IoT, which is where you know that's the wheelhouse of embedded world, um, you know, it's kind of ho hum. Everybody knows it's here. Everybody's been developing and planning for it. So uh, maybe there's not the big you know buzz like in years past where everybody was you know, putting their IoT solutions in lights. They're just actually delivering on them now. And some of the really cool stuff, uh, well, stuff that I'm looking forward to, I'm under embargo for about 15 different things at the moment, but I'll try and touch on it without giving too much away, is uh, the ability to integrate legacy systems into IoT deployments. You know, that's always been a huge problem uh, that's faced the Internet of Things, especially the industrial Internet of Things, is that all of those control systems and what have you, the automation uh, machines, most of those have life cycles that are minimum 10, 15 years. And when everybody put out their IoT concepts, um, you're talking about adding connectivity, you're talking about adding security, you're talking about adding in device management, and those systems can't, for the most part, uh, the pre-installed base or the installed base can't support all of that stuff, maybe because of processing and memory and just system resources re requirements. Uh, so there's some interesting solutions both in hardware and software uh, that those of you that are going to be at the show or following the show should keep an eye out for that may be able to integrate some of those brownfield devices into IoT deployments. Yeah, the piece that I think I disagree with you on is, is the, the fact that it's already here. I think on the industrial side, it's actually not here, and I, and I, I think we might be a ways away. Um, it, it's being pushed out in, in, in some test installments, but as far as mainstream, um, I'm not seeing that yet. You know, as, you know the automated and 
connected factory. Um, the, as you pointed out, the installed base is so large, and the capital equipment that's already out there, people have millions of dollars of equipment, and they're just not that quick to say, well, well they're not going to say let's throw it away and start all over. And, and to do a retrofit is not that easy, and it, it is a risk for sure. So I'm seeing it be a little slower on that side. Let me let me say you know you always you always pull me reel me back in. Let me say this: <laughs> the um, some of the leaders in manufacturing and automation have industrial IoT deployments. Now, one thing to be clear about is that there are multiple ways that an industrial IoT deployment can be put to use. Uh, and one of the ways that I like to describe is called a prosumer approach. That means that the company both produces and consumes um, an IoT's, you know, the benefits of having an IoT deployment. A lot of the original initial deployments of industrial IoT systems, topologies, architectures have been from these big companies, let's say GE's, uh, ExxonMobil's, Rockwell Automations, who are actually benefiting internally from IoT deployments. You know, and it's also a test bed, technically. Um, so in that sense, yes, they are here, have been here. For most of the other, the rest of the industry, however, I mean, you can't afford to retrofit your entire uh, in, your entire installed base of machinery. So it's still sure. to come, but industry-wide, yeah, not here, but does it exist today in some sense of the word at certain uh, leaders? I believe so. And in most cases, it'll be phased in as opposed to just being hit the switch and everything's IoT. Um, sure. it'll, it'll be done in, in small increments as technology changes as it becomes safer and people become more confident with it. Um, so I want to bring up one of your favorite subjects, AI and machine learning. And I know you spent a lot of time looking into that. Um, where do you see that fitting in? And do you think that, um, I mean, is that the next phase where these IO, industrial IoT systems become smart industrial IoT systems? Yeah, right. So um, everybody talks about intelligent machines, and really this is a part that, that ha hasn't gotten there yet. Uh, this is a part of IoT that is still under development very much so. Um, and when people talk about intelligent machines, you know, an intelligent machine uh, isn't made intelligent just simply because it has an Internet connection, right? Um, an intelligent machine implies that it's able to make decisions and operate autonomously, and the way that that happens is through uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning. And a really interesting thing is happening around industry where people are starting to bring that technology to the quote-unquote edge or into quote-unquote embedded devices. Uh, when you think about artificial intelligence or machine learning, what's the first thing that you think of, Rich, from a pop culture perspective? What's the first thing that I think of from a pop culture perspective? I'll give you a hint. Da, 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 da. <laughs> uh, that's definitely not the first thing that I was thinking of, but I, I see where you're going with that. Yeah. Um, I was thinking more on the on along the lines of um, what was the video game where you like played golf with the wireless remote and you had bowling and tennis and uh, a Wii. 
Yeah, the Wii, where it learned how you it, it learned your actions. That's what I was thinking of. But it, but I guess that's way later than what you're thinking of. Yeah, and what I was alluding to was was IBM's Watson platform when it went on Jeopardy and you know beat everybody, and then it beat all those chess champions. But in those early days of Watson, you know they were wheeling out a data center server rack, right? Uh, all of that stuff was, you know, modeling and inferencing back in a cloud data center somewhere, um, because the amount of compute horsepower, the amount of horsepower that you need uh, to run a deep neural network, um, a convolutional neural network um, that's able to basically catalog a bunch of different, let's say, images, for example, and then store them, re-recognize them train itself and eventually be able to identify the difference between not just a dog and a horse, but, you know, a German shepherd and a uh, golden retriever is immense. Uh, It's just mind-boggling. But uh, there are companies out there today that are really pushing the limits of bringing that technology and the horsepower to achieve it uh, down to the embedded level. Uh, NVIDIA is an obvious one. They've been doing that in the uh, object detection and recognition space, um, automotive space for a long time. Um, But they're really starting to push down to the point where conceivably certain embedded devices could use it, you know, like 10, 15 uh, watt range. You know, it's not there yet for a deeply embedded device, but it's getting close. And there are some others um, as well, some other companies that you would think of as more traditional embedded uh, logic vendors that are doing the same sounds good i think uh that's a wrap for today because we don't want to give away too much and um we'll be reporting from the show floor at embedded world on the stuff that we see and when brandon can take the wraps off the things that he's under embargo for um i know we have pretty busy schedules next week so we're going to try to squeeze in a few of these next week in a perfect world we'll do one every day but as you know we don't live in a perfect world you sound beat up already. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long week. So that, that's a wrap on this week's Embedded Insiders. I'm Rich Ness, and that was Brandon Lewis, and we're with Embedded Computing Design. And we'll either see you at Embedded World, or you can hear what's happening by listening listening to our podcast next week. Have a great day. <laughs>